one of our customers, um, a guy named uh, Danny Olinsky, who is one of the founders of um, uh, a status page. They were acquired by Atlassian. He wrote a blog post at one point um, that made this really, really insightful point where he said that the better you get at content marketing, actually the harder it is to measure because um, people interact with your site more often and they just start to trust you. They start to associate you with the thing it is that you offer. And um, so the, the, the more you have like a steady stream of really interesting stuff, the harder it's going to be to pin down any one that actually like gets people to fill out a contact form or request a demo or whatever. So when it comes to voices in the content marketing space, I think there are a few people who both understand and respect the craft like Jimmy Daly does. Because so often, those who understand content marketing focus on algorithms and keywords and search results, and then those that respect the craft and the art form sometimes struggle to connect their efforts with sales. So Jimmy gets both. When I worked at Litmus, the marketing team had an adjective for content that was awesome. Content that not only communicated ideas and product features, but did so by covering the problem so incredibly well, and then positioning features not as features, but benefits and solutions to those problems. We called it Jimmy Daily content. Jimmy had worked with Paul Farnell, Litmus's co-founder, on several content-related projects. So Paul would often relay the lessons that he learned from these sessions with the rest of the marketing team, and daily liking these to therapy sessions on this episode. So Jimmy went on to lead content and marketing at Animals, a content marketing agency that specializes in helping SaaS companies, and now he shares a lot of those lessons widely. Today, he does so on Ground Up. We talk about lessons learned and growing pains from growing animals, the library versus publication method of content marketing, the connection between content and sales. So Jimmy runs sales at Animals, so he's got a unique viewpoint of this. And then content mix, written versus audio versus video in 2019, and a lot more. Enjoy. Jimmy Daly, what's going on? Hey, John. Not much, man. It's good to talk. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's finally good to connect. I was just telling you earlier that I feel like I've been following you for so long and respect your work. So it's, it's good to to connect with, with somebody else, uh, another kindred spirit in regards to content marketing. I'm glad to, to finally get you on here. Yeah, yeah, same. The feeling is mutual. It's always good to meet uh, meet Twitter friends uh, <laughs> in other n- internet channels. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't. So you're you're not going to know this, but when I was at Litmus for a while, you worked with Paul, the founder of Litmus, for a little bit. Yes. And uh, this was God a few years back, mm-hmm. and um, Paul was the the founder at Litmus for for listeners and. He was uh, he wanted to publish more content and get more posts out about how he built the company, what his sort of ethos were, and um, didn't feel like he was a natural writer. He was a he was a designer. He was a you know an engineer. So um, Jimmy, you worked with him, and uh, he used to rave about his his time with you and like what he learned from you, and you became an adjective at Litmus on the marketing team. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the specifics about what the framework was, but there was something that you had taught Paul that he relayed to the marketing team and it became affectionately known as Jimmy Daily content. And oh, so that's awesome. The, your name would come up in meetings all the time. You're like, yeah, we, we should do more of like the Jimmy Daily content. And um, <laughs> I mean, this went on for for a, at least a year. So uh, I figured since since we're finally meeting for the first time, it would be fun to tell you that story. So 
That's awesome. That you just made my day. Uh, <laughs> you know, Paul was Paul was so good to work with because um, he just had so many great ideas. So we would like get on the phone and just chat. Um, I would ask him questions, uh, almost like a therapy session. And then, you know, I could go off and write articles and like pretty soon and just sort of learn to think like Paul. Um, yeah, he's a great guy. Sounds like writing therapy session. That's a good, uh, that's a good yeah. analogy. Sounds a lot like writing. Um, that's a good, that's sort of a good, uh, entry point into like who you are and what you do and what animals is. So I know animals is a, is a content marketing agency and, um, well, I don't want to, I don't want to cannibalize it for you. I guess, tell us about animals and what it is that, that you guys, who you work with and what it is that you guys do. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, animals, so we, yeah, we are a content marketing agency. We've been, we've been, uh, in business for, I guess about three and a half years, but kind of flying under the radar for a lot of that. Um, so we sort of think of ourselves like, a <laughs> well, not, not, not so much anymore. So like two and a half years in, we finally started our own blog, right? Like trying to shake this idea that, uh, the cobbler's children have no shoes. Was it that long? I feel like, I feel like I've been seeing animals content for, it, it, it was two and a half years before you guys actually started your own blog. Yeah. So we're, I guess wow. just recently hit our, our one year anniversary of, uh, having our own thing. Um, we're kind of like a speakeasy in that, like people who <laughs> sort of know us and are in the club, um, are excited about it, but, but a lot of people don't know. Right. Um, and so we're working with, uh, with a number of B2B SaaS brands. That's our bread and butter. Um, some of which I can say many of which I can't because of sure. non-disclosure agreements and all that. Uh, but we're working with some great companies. Um, and, and we work really like in the trenches side by side with their content teams, helping them with strategy, uh, all things, SEO, all things, writing, all things, promotion, um, so yeah, yeah, it's a small and and growing business, uh, and it's a lot of fun. So it's three years. So how like talk about growth from an agency perspective? Like talk about the growth and and what that's looked like. I'm sure there's been, I'm sure there's been some some growing pains along the way. Like what have you kind of learned going around the block here, growing an agency? Oh my god, I don't, where do I even start? <laughs> that's a whole um, other hour on its own. Yeah. It's so okay. <laughs> so interesting thing about animals is that. Um, all of our, all the plans that we sell are recurring. So we don't do any one-off work. So we measure all of our financials in the same way that a SaaS company would. So we're looking at MRR, mm -hmm. ARR, we're looking at churn. Um, and so we kind of build the business to reflect, um, sort of the, the unit economics similar to a SaaS company, right? So sure. like, for example, uh, we don't track hours, but we have to streamline our process to make sure that stuff can be done quickly because we get paid the same amount for the work we do, whether it takes three weeks or two days, right? Um, so from a, like a process and operation standpoint, uh, it's fairly complex, always getting better. Um, that's been, that's been really interesting. Um, for the last year or so, I've been doing sales for animals. Um, that's a whole nother world that is fairly new to me. Yeah. I want to um, get into that in a sec because you have a unique viewpoints, uh, doing sales and seeing the connection with content marketing, but we'll get into that in a bit. I don't want to let you keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's been a really, really eye opening. as someone who's done con yeah, we'll talk about it, but yeah, someone who's done content for a long time being on the sales side has been really, really interesting. Um, so yeah, so I guess learn, you know, learning how to be efficient, learning about how to optimize all of our operations, learning how to hire, learning how to bring on customers, you know, learning how to, um, Learning how to understand our margins, which seems like it would be simple, is actually really complicated. 
um, because we have, you know, we have writers and they're working on multiple clients and we have to sort of like, you know, amortize out the revenue across different writers and each of their capacities. So there's a whole bunch of things going on there. Um, yeah, I know we, we could talk about sort of the growing pains of an agency all day. So I, how do you, I think how do you structure, most... like, how do you structure your plans? Is it, is it deliverable based? So we're going to do X amount of blog posts or is it more centered around a specific goal? Uh, how, how do you, how do you guys approach that? Yeah. Okay. That, that's a good question. So all the plans are based on deliverables. So you get X deliverables per month and that could be right. blog posts, eBooks, white papers, social media stuff, emails, like whatever, whatever the thing is, we agree on a, on a recurring number of deliverables each month. And then we layer on top of that time for uh, strategy based on what's needed, right? Like in some cases, a customer just, they, they don't have someone internally owning content and they really need someone to come up with the strategy for them, help them execute it. Like basically like a totally outsourced content team. Uh, in other cases, they might have like an editor in chief. Um, they really just need to outsource some of the writing. So like, you know, we're able to do that at a lower cost and we build plans around that. Um, and then, uh, in addition to that, um, you know, depending on the topic, uh, the market that, that particular company, we work with them on, um, some kind of plan for promotion distribution. And then depending on like what that involves, um, we'll come up with deliverables for that too. So why are you guys like, uh, from a differentiation standpoint, what makes animals so different? Because from my viewpoint, there are very few uh, companies, let alone agencies that put out uh, content at the quality that you, that animals does. Um, and not just you, but the, you know, I know there's some other writers at animals and, and people that guest post for you. And the quality is, uh, you know, always uh, like magazine quality, right? It's always well-researched, uh, very thoughtful, um, you know, backed up with relevant data when necessary. Like what, makes you guys so different? Like, is it the backgrounds of everybody involved? Like, I know some of you have backgrounds in SaaS. Like, talk about, like, what your approach to the craft, because I feel like a lot of people publish stuff, and then there's other people, fewer people, that really write and, and care about that, and animals, mm -hmm. and, and, and the writers that you have feel like they fall into the ladder for me. So, like, how, 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 have, you, how have you guys approached building that and keeping that level of quality? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first I appreciate it. Um, I feel like there's, so there's a couple things going on. The first is that we just have an incredible team of people. Um, so a few, including our founder, Walter Chen, um, you know, he, he previously started a SaaS company. He grew it primarily through content marketing and then sold it, sold the business. Um, Devin Bramhall is on our team. She previously ran content marketing at Help Scout. Um, I've been doing this for eight or nine years. We have people on our team that, um, were new to content when they started working with animals a few years ago, but have become experts. Um, so we have an awesome team of people. The other thing that's going on is that we have a unique perspective because we work with a number of B2B SaaS companies. And so, you know, we get to, we get a really good feel for like what their challenges are. And then we also have access to their Google analytics. So we can kind of listen to them to hear like, you know, from their perspective, what's going on, we can check that against the data and we can do that dozens and dozens of times. Right. And, uh, so I feel like we're, we have a, kind of a built in advantage in that way. Um, and then, so anything that ends up on the blog is born from, uh, our actual hands-on experience working with B2B SaaS companies on content marketing. Um, and also just, you know, a combined, I don't know, several decades worth of 
like really good hands-on experience with content. For sure. How did you, so how did you get into the sales aspect of it at, at Animals? Uh, pri- primarily just because it's a small company and we all wear lots of hats. Someone's got to um, do it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, totally. So I guess it started uh, because so Walter, our founder, did sales for a long time, um, and he started bringing me on calls to um, just start to get to know like what happens in these calls, like what problems come up, what solutions do we offer, like how do you, you know, how, how do you um, instill like that little nugget of trust that can then become like you know a fruitful relationship later on, um, and I, I honestly I liked it because. Um, it's great to talk to people about the challenges they're having with content and then, and then know that you have a solution that actually can really help them. So I've been doing that. Um, you know, I've sort of taken on that, that role at animals. Um, and, uh, you know, as long as it keeps working, I guess we'll keep doing it this way. (laughs) And that must've been really eye-opening, uh, from this standpoint of, you know, uh, you know, calculating ROI from content and, and, and being able to sell the value of content, that, that's, that's a, that's been a challenge, um, you know, for many companies and many agencies, you're in a unique position because you're selling and you're also like delivering, right. And you write a lot and you know, like you've done it a lot in your past, you must've learned a lot, right. Uh, and, 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 uh, more so than others about the connection between content and sales. Right. So like, what have you, what yeah. have you learned through that whole process that you could share? Yeah, so, so many things. I think maybe the the biggest is that um, I I knew content was difficult to measure before I started doing sales. Now I'm now I know that it's like nearly impossible to calculate like with only with with numbers to calculate like a true ROI. Um, it's so uh, messy, right? So like one of the things that I noticed on sales call, like well, first the traffic to our blog is nothing to write home about. Like you know you would. If you looked at our Google Analytics, you'd be like, this this is nothing special, you know? But like we on sales calls, we hear people talking about the blog, referencing something they read, you know, asking questions about something they read that they didn't totally understand. Um, And it has become sort of this glue that connects, you know, that turns these people from like strangers into prospects, into customers, right? Um, So that's huge. Uh, I guess, you know, we're believers in content marketing to the extent that like, we don't really feel the need to do, you know, some complicated, extensive modeling to like prove that it's working for our business. Um, uh, even if we were though, it's, it's so, it's so, uh, tricky to measure, right? Right. Um, Like what's your take on, on first, first touch, last touch, any touch attribution. We tried to get that to work. At, at litmus and it was i just feel like it was a fool's errand half the time because you would right. think you landed on some insight and you'd be like but wait a minute what if this person found that it, what if it was shared through any like it was impossible to really know what right. had what had an impact like wh- what influenced this person right yeah absolutely actually so interesting one of our um one of our customers um a guy named uh danny alinsky who was one of the founders of um uh, a status page. They were acquired by Atlassian. Sure. He wrote a blog post at one point um, that made this really, really insightful point where he said that the better you get at content marketing, actually the harder it is to measure because um, people interact with your site more often and they just start to trust you. They start to associate you with the thing it is that you offer. And um, so the, the, the more you have like a steady stream of really interesting stuff, 
the harder it's going to be to pin down any one that actually like gets people to fill out a contact form or request a demo or whatever. Sure. Sure. So yeah, you, you, you don't necessarily prescribe subscribe to that th- theory of like drawing back every customer to the blog post that they came in on or, or the last one that they viewed before converting. Do you see a lot of value in, 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 cause there is a lot of companies doing that, right? Do you, yeah. do you see value I- in that exercise? I, I do. I a hundred percent do animals is in a, in a slightly different situation because we're an agency. Our volume requirements are so much lower than a SaaS company. So we don't need a ton of traffic. We don't need a ton of leads. We can only bring on two, three, maybe four customers in a month. Right. So like if we, you know, uh, we're trying to bring in thousands of trial signups in a month and we had a team of five people doing content and we're publishing every day and spending a ton of money on it. Yeah. I would totally want to make sure I'm accounting for all that and doing my best to attribute like where the success is happening. Um, so we, we recommend it to our customers all the time. We just don't do it ourselves. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. Um, so I want to, I want to, uh, zoom out for a bit and get a little more general so we could dig down into some of the specifics um, based on your answers, but generally like just because like you're someone who I respect your opinion a lot and you, and you have opinions on like the state of content and, and how brands are approaching it, where are we at right now with content? Just because most every band is publishing, like I said before, um, quality isn't always where, where it should be. Um, it almost feels like an afterthought sometimes. Um, sometimes the, the, the people that brands employ, right. Aren't domain, don't have the domain expertise, uh, yeah. so they're, they're kind of just going on what they could find off Google. And obviously that waters down the content, like f- from a general perspective, where are we at with, with content marketing right now with, with most brands? Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I feel like uh, we're at a point right now where everyone's bought into it. A few people have figured it out and a lot of companies are delegating it to someone on their team who isn't necessarily in the best position to do it successfully. Sure. Right. So like what you mentioned about subject matter expertise to me is like one of the fundamental challenges of content marketing, which is like, how do you get like how many, how many of our customers say, well, you know, we need to reach the decision makers. Like our ideal reader is the CMO. Um, but we have someone 18 months out of college writing our blog posts. Like how, that's not going to work. Right. Like right, right. you need the perspective of, of someone with that, like, kind of strategic mindset, like someone who is in your C-suite, actually, if they're not writing the post themselves, they ought to be, uh, yeah, that you could ghostwrite for them, you can interview them, like, but you have to like, um, uh, take a more journalistic approach to it instead of just thinking about like, okay, where are our growth channels? How do we optimize for search? How do we optimize for email? Uh, because you're almost by definition, not going to reach the people you need to reach by doing that. Um, and I feel like that is slowly changing, but I feel like that's, um, that's the biggest contributor to the amount of noise that we see out there right now. Right. Right. And that was, uh, that was part of what you, what you did with, with, with litmus and ghost, right. You know, helping Paul, uh, you know, have a voice and, and, and put content out there, um, in a, in a situation where he otherwise may not have. Right. Um, right. and we certainly couldn't, couldn't mimic his expertise or, um, you know, what, what, what he had in his head from his experience. Um, right. And, and, uh, what about formats? I feel like there's, there's a lot to distract a content team, right? We're, we're recording a podcast right now 
everybody's all in on video, um, which I feel like is great. Everybody sees that stat, like 90% of the content everybody consumes on the web in 2025 is going to be video. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't necessarily know if that's relevant to businesses, but I feel like personally content, written content, blog posts are easier to digest information from. They're quicker to get to the point. Whereas videos, right? It's, it's hard to scan and know where the information you're looking for is. Yeah. So my, my question is, there's a lot to get distracted from. There's audio formats, there's video formats, content. Um, we just put out a report that like people have kind of backed off their investment in content only slightly just to focus more on video. Um, mm-hmm. But where, where do you see, like what, what's your take on, on all of the potential channels marketers can leverage uh, and, and for brands out there that are maybe trying to figure out what their mix is, like what, what would be your advice? Like, how do you think through that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, okay. Here, here's, I guess a couple things. The first is that, um, I feel like, I feel like some marketers confuse, um, tactics that work in B2B versus B2C. So like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've seen a lot of articles recently about like how voice search is going to disrupt SEO, which I, I cannot wrap my head around how yeah. this is going to affect B2B SaaS. I'm going to sit in my living room and say like, how do you, uh, how do I draw up a business plan and listen to Alexa read it back to <laughs> right. me? It's not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so, so I feel like video, video and audio, like, I feel like there's really, um, applicable things for, uh, consumer marketing, like right now, you know what I mean? Like building stuff, social, um, you know, uh, building audiences through podcasts, that kind of thing. And then on the B2B side, um, you know, the applications of it are just so different. I feel like we're still figuring it out a little bit. I would say that, you know, I think of video and audio as, um, sort of uh their audience building tactics and i think actually written content is not necessarily the best audience building tactic but it's an excellent traffic growth method and so right like when we're talking to our customers about like uh content like words like publication and audience they get thrown around a lot but when you look at the data like so many visitors are new not returning i consider this a good thing not a bad thing right so like we can think about the written content we're doing as, you know, this is how you acquire new eyeballs to your site. Maybe other mediums like video and audio are how you retain those people or keep them engaged over time. And, and it's great. It's great supplementary content too. Like we've, yes, we've put a lot of video in, in product posts or, you know, in posts, uh, that are about, you know, maybe how to, um, you know, how to extract the right SEO information and, you know, putting video in, in, in that format can help. Um, I do think it's, it's, it's great supplementary, uh, supplementary content. I, I also think that marketers confused to, to your earlier point. I think they confuse attention with intent a lot. Um, yeah, it's a great and it's, point. it's very easy to see like, because you, it's, it's easy to see the feedback loop from video and right. especially on LinkedIn, you could see how many 10,000 people saw this. And, um, it's, it's a, it, whether it's a funny clip or it's a selfie video or whatever it is. The feedback loop is so immediate that it's, it, I got to do more of these. And right. whereas the intent specifically of a blog post that's found organically, it's hard to match that, I feel like, with video, unless you search for it on YouTube and, and find it. Um, but, yeah. I, but I see that happening a lot. And, and it's easy to fall victim to. Like, it's, it's easy to, to, to confuse that dopamine rush from seeing a lot of engagement on a video with, I need to do more of this. This is working. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, I think that 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 dopamine rush is uh, 
uh, is, is like an addiction that hinders good decision making in content marketing. Oh, right? like, absolutely. You know, people chase the hit instead of like <laughs> thinking, you know, like, uh, like how we're having a little more patience about right. how they're going to, you know, build their audience or grow their traffic. Uh, and I'm not trying to crap all over video. I mean, I think video is a great format. Um, and I think it works better than content in certain situations. Um, mm-hmm. uh, specifically, like you said, um, especially for consumer products, right? Like learning how to use right. something or put something together or like, I'm going to look at a video all day over like a list of directions. Um, but it's specifically in the B2B space, um, for strategic subjects, I find it like content, written content is, is hard to beat. It, it really is. Just I agree with you. Yeah. It's easy to scan. It's easy to extract the information I need quickly. Um, whereas video is a lot of much like this podcast, maybe a lot of pontificating and it's, it's, it's harder to get to the point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say I am a fan of, um, of businesses who are investing in like pretty lean, uh, video and audio production, right? Like I, you know, I feel like people are sort of intimidated by the mediums because they're used to seeing stuff that's super polished. I'm intrigued by uh, less polished stuff just because like you sort of a little bit more of like people's personality comes across sure. you get a feel for like the way they think. And um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot there. We actually tried, we tried a couple like very, very lean little videos on our blog and uh, you know, the reaction to them wasn't that great. Right. That doesn't mean we're going to write it off. It probably just means that, um, you know, our execution <laughs> wasn't there. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We're, like at least on our side, we're trying to figure out like, where does this fit in? Like how, how is, what can we do that would be useful on these mediums that we can't do on the blog? Right. It's a, it's especially in social. I think it's a good way to drive people to the content you've created, not replace it, but, right. um, putting stuff out on LinkedIn or, or Facebook or Twitter, that's, um, you know, kind of walking through maybe a piece of content that you put out or a campaign that, that you're publishing. I think it, it has the ability to catch people's eyes because it's video, drive sort of more traffic and generate attention for specific pieces of content. So like I said, I think it's a great supplementary tool. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I think the, I think the barrier to entry is lowered though with tools like soapbox. And I know Vidyard has a tool too, that makes it easier to record your screen and mm-hmm. every, you know, everyone's phone probably takes better video than most camcorders did 10 years ago. Right. Um, uh, if people still know what camcorders are, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the barrier of entry is lowered and we're seeing a lot more of it. And, uh, I agree. I think some of the, the lower budget stuff is, is more human. So, yeah. Um, you put out a, a post, I don't know when it was, it was sometime in the last maybe six months or so, um, library versus publication, like the, the types of content people put out and the way they sort of position their, their blogs. Right. And, uh, this post must have t- taken off because I saw this shared everywhere. E- even recently, I still see, see people sharing this. Um, a, w- what was the post about? I know it's kind of hinges on like the best content strategies prioritize quality and depth, not volume and breadth. So, so talk about like how you came to that and then how did it, perf- is it performing as well as it seems? Because that, that really seems like it resonated. <laughs> uh, well, I'll answer your last question first. It is like kind of the rest of our blog, it's not like driving tens of thousands of page views. Um, it, it has resulted in a dozen or a dozen and a half really good leads, um, which is more than we need. Like, you know, that's an abundance for us. So that's, that's great. Um, and it's resonant. It seems to be resonating with like a certain group of people, right? Like people who have been working in content for a while, uh, have observed the problem that I try to describe in the article. And when they read it, they were like, 
that's the thing that's been bothering me, you know, as someone just sort of put it into words, which is kind of what I was going for. Um, but to give you kind of just like a quick summary of the post. So I, I mentioned a few minutes ago that like we hear words like publication and audience all the time. And uh, those have become uh, common jargon in the content space. But I think they carry with them a lot of assumptions about how a content program should be run. So, you know, publication is designed to build an audience, right? Like you are looking to uh, grow a group of readers that expands over time. They're engaging with your content on a regular basis. Um, and as a result of that, you have to address a pretty wide variety of topics in order to keep them engaged. That in practice is not actually how content marketing works, or maybe maybe it can work, but it's very expensive and inefficient. And so uh, that's, that's sort of what we refer to as this publication approach. And then the library approach is just sort of takes a, uh, a looks at this from a different perspective, where instead of building an audience and kind of catering to this group of people, you are prioritizing new visitors through organic traffic and building out a library of content on a narrow range of topics and going really deep on those topics. Um, if you imagine like uh, the way most blogs are structured, uh, this kind of plays into this challenge also because like most blogs are kind of just like a reverse chronological feed of content. And so there's this emphasis on always keeping like new and updated stuff in there. If you were to organize your blog as a library and kind of in the way we suggest in this article, new content isn't really featured at all. So there is no emphasis on getting new stuff out there. It's just about making sure that your your you know quote unquote library is filled out by topic and then also by uh, funnel depth. So like, are you sort of addressing people's uh, needs from top, middle, and bottom of the funnel? all within that same topic. Um, so that's a kind of a quick overview. Um, we, we propose it as a more efficient um, and less expensive way to grow site traffic. How, um, you know, how would companies have to change their approach to be able to do something like this? I know in the post you list like three principles of the approach, uh, flat site architecture, content plan by topic and funnel depth, and then audience as a byproduct. So using those principles, how, how would a company go about being able to shift their approach to just being publication, pumping out new stuff, volume is all that matters, to, like you said, focusing on quality and depth, um, less emphasis on new stuff, more emphasis on quality and depth? Yeah, I, I think so. The, the first thing that we suggest everybody is to do an audit of the content you have. And uh, when we do this, like, so we do this people or, you know, they do it and they show us the results of it. One thing we see all the time is that there's these huge gaps in in very relevant areas. And then there's a bunch of content on something only indirectly related. And um, that stuff also tends to be like really top of funnel. It might get traffic, but it doesn't convert anyone. Right. And then like, meanwhile, they haven't written about this thing that would almost certainly drive new customers. Um, so that's the first thing we do. And then uh, we we would actually organize the content that we find by category. So if you think about, there's a sort of a, a screenshot of this in the article, like categories would be your columns. Uh, your rows are sort of increasing levels of depth from top to the middle to the bottom of the funnel. Put all that there, you get like a heat map and it shows you like, okay, we have a ton of stuff on uh, like top of funnel related content for this category, but we have nothing in the middle. And this other area, we've got stuff for the bottom of the funnel, but we got nothing on the top. Uh, and so we use that to do their content planning, you know, as opposed to um, like some of the more 
like commonly used methods of keyword research, which can be useful, but often tend to result in like tons of keywords and lots of content that may not necessarily need to be written. Right, right. That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I love the if for, for anyone that hasn't read the post, um, look it up. It's on animals animals co on their blog, library versus publication. There's a lot of great graphics in here that really break it down and explain. Um, but I, I thought it was funny too the inspiration for the post. So you have a lot of animals customers that kind of want to be like the intercom blog, right? And, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Were, which intercom puts out great content. And you were talking to their content director and told him that. And what was his response? Uh, some something along the lines of uh you know they they might not be so excited about it if they knew how much it cost <laughs> um and it, i mean it's true like intercom i last i checked they'd raised over 100 million dollars and have like a dozen people on their content team their content is exceptional it's right. really good i think it i think it probably drives a lot of business for them um if you don't have 100 million dollars in funding and you don't have like a five-year time horizon to just like grow your blog into something that you can be proud of you should probably find a more efficient approach right right yeah and what, what did what did what have you learned uh you know he he kind of uh, like what what did you learn about their strategy like what what do you think they're doing that makes it so good is it just the subject matter because they they do seem to take a very educational approach to things very closely aligned with the product um yeah which, which as you said a lot of brands miss I don't know if it's a for fear of sounding salesy um, because I've certainly been in rooms before where people were afraid to get too close to things that the product did because it would come across too salesy and people wouldn't read the blog and it would turn people off to the brand. But I think there are people who do it really well and intercom is one of them. So like, yeah. what, what do they do well? So I, so I interviewed uh, Jeffrey Keating, who's their lead editor uh, early in 2018 and uh, he walked me through, and this post is on our blog too. He walked me through exactly what their editorial process looks like, and it is fascinating. They so their content team, um, for the most part, is not writing. They're facilitating writing from their internal subject matter experts. So they're building a SaaS company. They have developers, designers, salespeople, customer support people. Um, those are the voices that you see on the blog. Um, the editors and the content team are helping them come up with ideas, helping them refine drafts, um, you know, uh, whatever the thing. So they, you know, they're editing the pieces, but they are not actually doing the writing themselves. That's a, that takes a, a level of um, institutional commitment to content marketing that I, I never seen before. Um, so that's what they do differently. And, and because of that, they're able to write, um, about a wide variety of topics while keeping the quality really, really high. Right. So is it like ghost writing or do, or do they actually have members of the team that are doing some writing and they kind of go back and edit them and help them structure it? The latter. Yeah. So no ghost writing as far as I know. Um, they actually, so the managers at intercom, um, keep their team members accountable to writing content for the blog. So they are, they, they ask everyone to contribute, um, and when you, regardless of what position you're in, maybe you're a developer or a salesperson, uh, you're actually talking to your manager about like, well, did you get your blog post out this quarter? Um, which again is like so different than the way most companies operate. So they, uh, say that developer, uh, syncs up with the content team. They have kind of a seed of an idea. The content team helps them refine it, figure out what the angle is, help them put together an outline. They go off and write, come back. 
Um, one interesting thing Jeffrey said is that they don't just like beat people's writing up because it would be too demoralizing for non-writers to be edited in the way you would edit a sure. writer. Um, so then they actually like get together face to face. They meet, they talk through the draft, you know, talk about what works, what doesn't offer suggestions for them to improve it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a manual, slow, hard process. Um, I actually, I actually titled that blog post, uh, how to grow a blog the hard way. Because like they're doing it in like the hardest way possible, I think. But like that's why they keep achieving like this this really high bar for quality. Right, and they're protecting against that. What we talked about earlier was the lack of domain expertise. They're not going to have that problem. Um, exactly. And then they're the people that are on the content team are probably learning a lot, right? Um, that they otherwise wouldn't. And their 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 learning curve is probably so steep that you know the, uh, their contributions are are going to be super high quality in a very short period of time compared to right. you know, comparatively. To other companies. Totally. So yeah, that, that's super interesting. I'll have to look that at what's it called? The growing the blog, growing a blog the hard way. Yep. That seems like it'd be every way, but yeah, that, that, uh, <laughs> that, that definitely seems, uh, more, more comprehensive and challenging. Um, yeah. So, so I guess uh, how, how much writing I, I see you do, you do a lot of writing still. Are you, are you able to do, you know, between sales and, and, uh, you know, helping, helping run the agency. Are you able to, to write as much as, as you want? Like how, how, how do you carve out the time to, to put together the, the level of quality of the content that you put out? Uh, I just, I just make it happen there. I, I, yeah, I do wish I had more time. I would actually, someone asked me recently, like, what's your, what's your writing process like? And I think they were expecting the answer, which is like, I brew a cup of coffee and then I <laughs> sort of like turn off all my notifications and I block out three hours and it never happens like that. It's like, no. I've got 45 minutes to make some progress on this. I better do it because then I got it. I got other stuff to do. Um, so yeah, it's not a, it, it, I feel like as the, as we grow and, you know, as we have people kind of filling in these specialized roles, uh, hopefully that will open up more time to write. Right. Writing is never as glamorous as it, as it seems like it's, I love having written, but sometimes the process yeah. of writing is excruciating, right? It's Espe- hard. It's especially, really hard. Um, the, I don't know what, what, what the hardest part is for you, but for me, it's, um, the blank page is, is always a challenge, but also self-editing. I find it really yeah. hard to write a paragraph and not delete half the stuff. And, and then that, that it's just, it kills your productivity. You never get anything finished. So those are two things that I consciously have to work at is just get, get what's written down. It's a lot easier to go back and, and right. make edits and cut. And it's so much easier to do that. Um, what do you, what is what are, what are your, uh, kryptonite like what's challenging uh most challenging for you when it comes to putting pen to paper yeah that's interesting uh, this actually just happened recently and this it happens to me all the time actually where i'll like i feel like i'll get over the hard part of an article which for me is like taking the topic and turning it into an angle right like yeah. we just published a blog post about um like content refreshes and i really didn't want it to be like every other article on content refreshes. so i like really sit down and think about the angle I make outlines that would like support the the theory that we're going to present or whatever. And then at some point I get an outline that I feel really good about. I, I know exactly what the article is going to look like, but then I got to go and fill it in. And to me, that's like kind of a depressing moment where like, <laughs> I've just done all this hard work. Right. There's still so much hard work ahead of me. It's not even written <laughs> I know it's going to take time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that must help though, right? Like having that outline must help. Yeah, no, definitely it does. It does. Um, we, I'm also super fortunate to work with like 30 writers. And, uh, so there's always someone to edit your stuff, um, with a critical eye, which is, which is good, you know, it slows the process down a little bit, but, sure. uh, it, it's great to get other people on it. 
Jimmy, this was a lot of fun, man. I'm 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 uh, happy to hear animals is uh, is doing well. Uh, the content's great, and it, it was fun just to to chop it up about content with you for a bit. Yeah, yeah, same. That was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.